This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Meow Mix, a Carolina Panthers podcast. My name is Steven. My name is Jerry. And on today's show, we will discuss the recent Panthers news, a flurry of coaching hires. Uh, we're going to take a look back, go back in the old Wayback Machine, and look at a boop, boop, boop. look at a Panthers Super Bowl and and kind of the whole season uh, back in from 2003, 17 years ago. Yeah. It's Although been the a Super while. Bowl, I guess, was 16 years ago, but. A long time ago. Uh, and then we're, we'll take a look at the upcoming Super Bowl and do a bit of a preview there. As you all know, we don't get super invested in other teams' games, but it is the Super Bowl, so we'll spend a little time on it. But um, let's talk about some of the coaching hires that were made since the last time we talked. And it has been a couple of weeks since we've been here. That'll probably be our go-to uh, for the foreseeable future, although we may come back next week to talk about the Super Bowl. But, yeah. Um, since we last talked, uh, I think the last time we talked, Joe Brady had just been hired as offensive coordinator. Still like that hire. Still like it, coming from LSU. Um, since we talked, Phil Snow was officially hired as defensive coordinator. This was a pretty poorly kept secret, I guess, that he was going to be hired. This was the guy all along, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like that's who he had pegged. I don't know what the holdup was. I know that Baylor was still hiring their head coach, so I was thinking maybe he was in the running to get that head coaching job, and then they went with LSU's defensive coordinator. So I think he was like, all right, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to go to the NFL. Yeah, that, Which that I can't very blame well. Him. Right, that, and that very well could have been the case, was he was just waiting to see if he had a head coaching opportunity or, or hell, maybe even some other defensive coordinator opportunities around the league. I'm not sure. But um, either way, I, I don't really know a lot about Phil Snow. Um, I know he is an older gentleman who has been in coaching for a very long time mm-hmm. and has a ton of experience. Uh, he has never been a coordinator on the NFL level. I think he has spent some time in the NFL. Various. Yeah, he spent some times with the uh, Detroit Lions. Yeah, uh, from two thousand five to two thousand eight, he was a defensive assistant and then a linebackers coach. Okay, so he has some NFL experience, which is good. Um, so I mean, but this this continues a trend. Wait, 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 wait. Before you move on, okay. Does Detroit count as NFL experience? Yes. Okay, are we sure? Yes. <laughs> I mean, they're a step above Cleveland. Come on. <sighs> Now, even Cleveland might count as NFL experience if you squint hard <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, continue okay, your thoughts. No problem. Sorry. No problem. Um, this it, it does con- kind of continue our trend of hiring college coaches. Of course, Matt Rule from Baylor, college coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at the rest of the hires, and we're, I'm not going to go through and name all you know 16 coaches that have been hired so far, but I will say that. We have 11 coaches who were in college last year. Yeah. But were college coaches last year, and six of them from Baylor. 
Well, again, the Jets wanted to hire Rule last year, but they would not let him bring his own staff on. They wanted to pick and choose. And obviously, he wants to go with guys he feels comfortable with, guys he knows from the, his college days. So you got to let him run the team how he wants to run it. I mean, Bill Parcell says, you know, if you're going to... I forget what he said. Uh, something about buying the groceries, though. If you're going to milk the cow, buy the horse. Yeah, yeah something, something like weird that. like that. That makes no sense, but... Um. <laughs> But you gotta let him choose his own guys. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm basically saying. You you gotta let him seek or swim with his own guys. You can't force him into anything. Yeah. Would I like more experience from the NFL level? Yes. But I don't know these guys that well, so you gotta just trust the head coach. Yeah, and even though a lot of these guys were in college last year, um, some of them do have an ex- NFL experience, and eight of the coaches that were hired were on NFL teams last year. So, you know, 11 were on the college teams last year. Eight were on NFL teams last year. So, uh, you know, we've hired a lot of coaches. Um, There is one guy that we hired who was in a pretty high-profile job with the Panthers last year. And I believe both of us are pretty confused as to why this guy in particular has come back. Yes, this was probably the – we had some bad coordinators last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is the worst one, but he was so, certainly up there. <laughs> we're so we're talking about special teams coordinator Chase Blackburn, formerly a linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. I think last year was his first year as special teams coordinator. Mm-hmm. He got retained. I I don't understand this. We had one of the worst special teams last year in the league. That was terrible. Yeah, Ter- absolutely the, terrible. I mean, on this podcast, we. Co- talked about how in the world can they not get a guy to catch a punt one of the uh, things catch a punt yeah one of the things we were so excited about with you know uh, the revamping of this coaching staff was getting a new special teams coordinator <laughs> because special teams has been so bad here for so long mm-hmm. and you know this is just that's disheartening i, I don't really know why they i don't know i don't know uh, Maybe Matt Rule like had his offensive coach and you know office coordinator, defensive coordinator all set in his mind, and then they were like, "So who's your special teams coordinator there?" He was like, "Uh, uh, uh I'm gonna interview yeah. the guy that was here." Right? Who was here? Who was here <laughs> last year? Let, let's just bring him back. Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, he hasn't watched a ton of tape from last year because anyone with eyes would not have made that decision. Well, but, let's uh, hope that you know he can right the ship. He could bring in somebody that he can coach up and I, I i don't like that hire at all i think chase blackburn was over his head yeah. last year it it showed on the field you know uh, i mean maybe in his second year you know he's seen a lot of things that have gone wrong and he can make some adjustments we get some different personnel in here you know we're not punting from deep in our own you know uh field position anymore i mean yeah who knows this yeah. could be a complete turnaround this year. So I'm not willing to just automatically discount the special teams, but I don't like the hire, and I, I do wish that they would have gone a different direction. So let me ask you this, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Since now we have all our coordinators set up, now let's. I want you to give me a grade of what you think they are. For, like, Joe Brady, who do you think – what would you give him as a grade for the hire? Again, this is all pure speculation. 
I will say with Joe Brady, I'm very excited about the hire. Um, I mean, I'm, I would give it an A, I think, because he was extremely highly sought after, and he's very young. Now, this is one of those, it's an A, but could very easily turn out to be a disaster. So, but but I'm I'm super excited about it. So I give it an A. What about you? I, I gave him a B just because of that, you know, unknown factor. Yeah. But A plus on just the pure excitement for it. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm grading from because I don't really know how else to grade him. Mm-hmm. Everything I know about him has shown that he's been a huge success. <laughs> you know, yeah. With uh, more responsibility he gets, the higher of a success rate he has. All right, now let's move on to Phil Snow. This is a less exciting hire for me, but I don't really know who else was out there that I would have been super excited about. Yeah, a um, lot of people, uh, fans wanted Wade Phillips. I, nah, I, I get yeah. it. Wade Phillips has put together a lot of good defenses over the year, but at the same time, how old is too old to be out there doing it? Yeah, I, I think I would have liked Wade Phillips better than Phil Snow. Um and this is maybe something we'll talk about in a minute, but I would have liked a coordinator with some NFL coaching experience, head coaching experience in particular. Um, Phil Snow, I mean, in terms of what I know about him and my excitement level, probably a C. C? Like average. That is exactly what I was going to get. See, the only thing I really like about him is going through the Baylor, they, they had a decent defense in a conference that typically doesn't play defense and has high-powered offenses. Yeah, and we also have to remember that, you know, Baylor did a lot of this with uh, not the highest level of recruits, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of this was coaching, which gives me more confidence than I maybe normally would have had. Uh, What about Chase? I think we Uh, both know where this is going. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to give him an F for the hiring. I mean, I hope yeah. he pans out because I'm a Panthers fan. If he pans out, good for our special teams. But I, we were awful last year. Yeah. I mean, all aspects of special teams, we were bad. Coverage, you know, it, coverage, kicking, catching. It was just bad. Why is, Why are we bringing this guy back? I still don't know. Yeah, I, I would say an F as well. Uh with potential to move up a little bit, obviously. There's nowhere to go but up from there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, kicking, you know, I mean, Gano got hurt in the preseason. We had to bring in an undrafted rookie who kicked lights out for a little while, struggled in the middle of the season, and ended very strong. Uh, don't really blame Chase Blackburn for that. But no. uh, in terms of everything else on special teams, I absolutely. I mean, the coverage was terrible. Kickoff, kickoff, and punt coverage was just bad. It was just bad it was, last it was, year. Yeah, stay in your lanes. You know, get your area. It's just frustrating. I mean, and that's mainly where you see, I think, what the coordinator is doing is on those coverage teams. Yeah. Now I know there's been a lot of speculation about what type of defense Phil Snow is going to run. Uh. So far, he has said that he doesn't know. He yeah. wants to continue to evaluate our you know, staff and our players before he makes that decision. And that's the best way to do it. You can't mm-hmm. force them into your scheme if they don't fit it. This is the company line from Matt Rule down, it seems like, is mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to 
evaluate anybody. Been doing a lot of other things. They've been scouting some players. I think they were at the Senior Bowl, so they were looking at a lot of those guys. Um, so th- they really, honestly, haven't had a ton of chance of opportunity, I guess, to really look at tape from last year and evaluate the players on the roster. So uh, I-, I like the fact that he's not saying I'm coming in and running my scheme, no matter who's on the team. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, I like these guys that can adapt to the players on the roster. And Matt Rule seems to be that type of coach just in general, so I would assume he surrounds himself with the same type of coaches. Yeah, for sure. Um, Just kind of looking at the coaches that we did bring in, uh, probably Al Holcomb, former Panther coach uh, from a few years back, was hired as a a defensive coach. I'm not sure what position he's going to be coaching. I believe it was linebacker coach, but he has the team's defensive run game coordinator as That's well. That's right, yeah. slapped it. which is what he so, did last year with the Browns. So Keekley could still come in as a linebacker coach, just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's something else is that, you know, there have been a little bit of rumblings that Keekley is interested in coaching, and Matt Rule has publicly said that they'd love to bring him in at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means this year. Um, I think it's up to Keekley to decide whether or not he wants to coach this year. But I have a feeling it's going to happen. I do too. And it yeah. should happen if he wants yeah. to. Yeah. He he's he was a, always a coach on the field. It would it would serve this defense greatly to have him as a coach. Agreed. Uh, there is a Lombardi on the roster or on the coaching staff. Huh? Matt Lombardi. He is listed as offensive coach. (laughs) He was the quality control coach for the Dolphins last year. So not really sure that this is, I'm getting this list off the Charlotte Observer and it's, it was kind of the most updated list that I could find. And they don't really go into a lot of detail on a lot of these guys. So, um, but yeah, just a lot of college coaches. I mean, you know, we talked about a little bit, but is, is this too much? Of the young college coach? No. I, like I said so. earlier, you you have to let Matt Rule pick his own coaching staff. Okay. You if, have if to... it, okay. I understand that, and I agree with you. But in, if you were – if you had any say in this, would you have hired more seasoned NFL guys? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I, I would, mean, but so, I like so that. We I... Both, I think we both would have liked to have seen more NFL pedigree on this coaching staff. Yes, okay. we would, but again, you can't let you can't force somebody to work with somebody else. Look at uh oh Cleveland with uh not Freddie Kitchens, with Hugh Jackson and was it Wizenhunt was there? Ken Ken Wizenhunt. Yeah, was that the coach? Offensive coordinator. Coordinator. Yeah. And then Greg so. Williams, because if you remember, he took that job because he knew Hugh Jackson was eventually going to get fired. And supposedly they constantly fought in the coach's room. Mm. And then when Hugh Jackson got fired, they fired both of them because of the whole, you know, not being able to work together. Yeah. But that's, you know, you can't force people to work together. No, I agree with that. Um, And I don't think that certainly in a coordinator coming in to the Panthers this year should have no expectation of supplanting the head coach, you know, at some point. Oh, no, I a new head coach. So I just would have liked to have seen, you know, the Wade Phillips thing made sense to me. Um, 
he wasn't super high on my list or anything. I wouldn't have. I'm not mad at the Phil Snow hire at all. Um, but I, I was hoping that one of the coordinators, one of the offensive or defensive coordinators, would have been a former NFL head coach. Uh, it seems like a lot of young coaches that have success bring in those guys to sort of help them navigate the difference between head coaching in college and head coaching in the NFL. Well, there was rumors that we were interviewing uh, Ben McAdoo and Mike McCoy for the quarterback coach position, but that all changed. Supposedly, Rule is now going to move Jake Peets, the current running back coach, to quarterback's coach and hire, I can't say this guy's last name, Brian Angelico as a tight ends coach. Yeah, he's listed. Brian Angelico is listed as the tight ends coach right now, so that mm-hmm. that must have been that must have gone through. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It seems like they're still working out where a lot of these guys are going to be coaches, which maybe is why the Observer just has these guys listed as offensive and defensive coaches because yeah. they're not really set in place yet. So yeah, I was kind of hoping that McCoy or McAdoo would have been brought in just for, not that they were great head coaches, but just because they know how it works, right? Correct. If something goes down, they kind of have an idea of, you know, pecking orders and yeah. everything else. Now, and, you know, we've got Marty Herney there, who has been a GM for almost 20 years now. So he obviously knows how things work. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a very seasoned guy. And that may be why he's being st- or sticking around. Yeah, it could be. I know the uh, guy that we were trying to interview from the Eagles, uh, the front office guy, I don't remember his name. Brown, I think maybe his last name was. I don't uh, remember. I but don't he, remember. He got uh, hired by the Browns as their new GM, so it doesn't look like that's going to be uh, that, that uh, what, vice president, executive personnel director, whatever, whatever the hell the Tepper has, is calling that position, <laughs> is still unfilled. So that's going to be probably the next big hire for the Panthers is going to be whoever ends there, which... Uh, Seems to be the heir apparent to the GM, right? Yeah, that's Whoever what it seems. There. It, it feels like that. It yeah. feels like he wants to keep hurting around just a little bit longer since he is so seasoned mm-hmm. and eventually get him replaced. But yeah. Promote him to one of those positions where you know, he gets paid a lot of money but doesn't have a ton of influence on the yeah. day-to-day operations. He walks in and is like, hey, guys. Hey. Yeah. So overall, the, the coaching staff is coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, mini camp, I think got moved up a couple of weeks because if you have a new head coach, you can move it up. So we'll be seeing these guys a little earlier than normal this year, or at least hearing about the, you know, their mini camp a little earlier than normal. Um, but really until I guess the draft free agency yeah. starting, I guess there's really probably not going to be much big news to come out. Yeah, this we had the scouting combine, and then it hits free agency, and then the draft. Yeah. So yeah, not much. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on that before we kind of move on? Nope. All right. The year was two thousand and three. Bloop 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 bloop. We're traveling back in time. The date was February first, two thousand four, technically, and the Carolina Panthers. We're playing in their very first Super Bowl against those dirty New England Patriots. The franchise's ninth season in the NFL. The second under head coach John Fox. I remember there being a big deal about 
Jerry Richardson promising a Super Bowl for the Panthers mm-hmm. within the first 10 years. And there were, thank you, Jerry, uh, billboards all over the place in Charlotte during that season. Uh, or, you know, during that couple of weeks between the end of the championship rounds and the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always remember that. But, uh, yeah, um, obviously. Well, before we, before we get into the game itself, let's mm-hmm. actually take a look back at how they got there. Let's take a look back. So they ended the season with a surprising 11-5 and see, uh, record, winning the NFC South. Uh, in 2002, they only had a 7-9 and record. Mm-hmm. And they did it by running the ball. First year, our first round pick, Jordan Gross, started on right tackle and led the way for Steven Davis to a miraculous season, rushing for 1,444 yards and eight touchdowns. Yeah, this, uh, I was kind of looking at some of the offensive and defensive stats for this team. This team was kind of unremarkable overall. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, I think we were ranked 15th. Overall in the league, defensively 10th overall in the league. So nothing spectacular was done. I think the running game was ranked 7th in the league. Uh, But Stephen Davis certainly, everybody remembers that season that was around, you know, Panthers fans at that time. Because I think at that point, he might have been the, that might have been the most rushing yards a Panther had ever had. Yeah. uh, Running the ball, uh, for a running back position. So, um, yeah. Kind of funny how, how it worked out. I mean, the Panthers went 11-5, and five, as you said. Uh, there was a stretch from week 7 to week 14, so basically the entire middle of the season, where they only won three games. Yeah. They went 3-5 and five during that stretch. All five of their losses came in that stretch. So they won their first three games, lost their last three games, and then went 3-5 and five in the middle. And if I, I'm looking at the stats. It's been a long time, so I don't remember, obviously. But Stephen da- Davis went down with an injury for two games, and Deshaun Foster started. I'm wondering, because I remember towards the end of the season, Deshaun Foster started catching a little bit of fire, and I'm wondering if that's kind of what happened, is they were losing, and De- Stephen Davis was injured. He ended up having to sit out a couple weeks, rest up to get healthy, and that kind of forced them to start passing the ball a little bit more, not relying so much on Davis. That could be, yeah. I don't, I don't distinctly remember, remember that as much. Um, I do remember. Was Deshaun Foster a rookie that year? Uh, I do not believe Deshaun Foster was a rookie. I think this was his second year in the league. I'm trying to find the draft picks right now for it. No, Jordan Gross was the first round select or first round pick. Uh, Ricky Manning Jr. was a third round pick. Colin Branch, the safety, was a fourth-round pick. And all the other guys are just guys You're who right. didn't really pan yeah. out. So Deshaun Foster was a 2002 second-round pick. So mm-hmm. he had been in the league a year before. Fun um, fact, I got his rookie jersey that year, and then he changed his jersey number the next year. Kind of made me a little upset. <laughs> well, he was on the he was only on the team until 2007, so and never yeah. really. He had a few good years, uh, but never great years. Never reached a uh, thousand yards rushing. Yeah, I, I I always expected him to have that home run, like start taking out. He just never took that next step. 
Well, he has. He's got that one highlight. Yeah. That one highlight play that they play on. I mean, it's, it's still played even today on, you know, playoff commercials. Where With he that was, draw play? Yeah, where he's kind of yeah. flying through the air for the touchdown and just gliding with his arm out. I mean, very cool. Um, so he will limit infamy for that, I guess. But, uh, yeah, Jake DeLome, quarterback of this team. Yep. Well, he started only 15 games. The beginning of the season, Oh, is that Rodney, Rodney, Rodney Pete started, right. Rodney but Pete. he got benched in the opening game against Jacksonville at halftime. That's right. Yeah, Rodney Pete, man. It's kind of fun going back and looking at these guys who were on the team at that time. I was actually watching a little bit of, just randomly watching a little bit of the NFC Championship game against the Eagles uh, earlier today and kind of jumping through and and what seemed like Dan Morgan making tackles and uh, just kind of cool. Ricky Manning Jr. Ricky Manning Jr., uh, three interceptions in that game, just kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, he took over that game. Yeah, because that everybody thought McNabb was finally going to go to the Super Bowl, and he just Ricky Manning Jr. lit it up. Three picks, like dominated that game. It was a strong defensive game. Uh, we won. Let's see here, fourteen to three. Fourteen to three. There we go. It was yep. it was nothing. Yep. Um, of course, everybody remembers. I think two games from that um, – I mean, really, the whole playoffs was awesome for the Panthers, but hosting the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. in the first game of the playoffs, the wild card round, I remember the hype. I mean, people were just amped up for that game, and Cowboys fans were so confident that they were going to knock the Panthers oh, out. Oh, yeah. Quincy Carter. So confident. And the Panthers destroyed them, 29-10. Yep. to 10, Killed them. Yeah, I was at that game. I I was lucky enough. This was 2003s or four, sorry. So the internet wasn't as relevant now. Mm-hmm. So I remember clicking on refresh button at Ticketmaster, and I got <laughs> tickets. And there were good seats. I was like six rows up in the end zone. Oh wow! And they weren't expensive. They weren't you know two three hundred dollars like they are now. Yeah. I think it was like seventy bucks. Oh wow! Inflation, man. Yeah. Crazy. I had a sign that said "Hit Quincy harder." Um, the next game was against the uh st louis rams and of course this is the game probably everyone talks about this is the game this is the play yeah if you're a panther fan young or old you know about this is the play that you remember if you're if you say if you say the steve smith play everybody knows what you're talking about yep you know second overtime Two overtimes in this game. Mm-hmm. Was it a... I don't remember how many yards it was, but basically Steve Smith coming across the middle of the field. Jake DeLome throws the ball. It's a little high, but Steve goes up and gets it and just outruns everybody to win the game. 29-23. to 23. It uh, was a 69-yard 69 69-yard pass. pass. Nice. <laughs> Giggity. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that play is shown all the time. You mm-hmm. see that play all the time. Steve Smith's Hall of Fame um, highlight reel is going to probably, that will be the play. That will be the end. Yeah. Oh, I got the Panthers are moving on. Yep. And then we move to the Super Bowl. Ugh. 
the Super Bowl that was a really weird Super Bowl. It was a really good Super Bowl. It had two different... It was good in spots. <laughs> well, yes. It was a very different type of Super Bowl. The first quarter ended at a 0-0 tie. It was a defensive battle. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, Tom Brady and Jake DeLome started lighting it up. So the... I'm just kind of looking here. 90% of the first half... And all of the third quarter were scoreless. Yep. And then 24 points were scored in the last three minutes of the first half. And 37 points were scored in the fourth quarter. And that fourth quarter, you can go back and watch that fourth quarter. It's one of the most exciting quarters you'll ever see in any football game. Back and forth and just shot for shot. Jake DeLome looked like he was going to have a Hall of Fame career moving forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, he looked just as good as Tom Brady, if not a little better, on some of his throws. This was just a... I mean, it's everything the Panthers fans wanted except for... The ending. Win. With yeah. John Casey, we we scored. Mm-hmm. And it's tied up. And then John Casey kicks the ball out. And John Casey never did that. That was so weird. It was just too much momentum for him. He kicked it out. They got yeah. the ball in easy field position, and they just got to Vinatieri to win it in. Yep. Time it's, expiring. Uh, there's a minute or so left, and as soon as he, as soon as that ball went out of bounds, mm-hmm. I was with a bunch of friends. We were at my parents' house having a Super Bowl party. They had just gotten a big TV, big tube TV, right? Remember, mm-hmm. sixty inches, and. Wow, soon that as that was ball, really big back then. I know, right? As soon as that ball went out of bounds, I looked at my friends and I was like, that's it. I was like, Brady mm-hmm. is going to march them down the field. All they need is a field goal, and they've got Vinatieri. And that's what happened. We lost the game 32-29. to But yeah. I look back at that Super Bowl not with depression. No. <laughs> right? I look at back at that because we were a very young team. We had a lot. You know, a, a lot of positive feelings well, coming out of that game. Well, two years before that, we had the worst record in the league. Yeah, one in fifteen. So we went one in fifteen, seven and nine, eleven and five, and a Super Bowl appearance. So you yeah. were, you felt like you were stealing it. Yeah, we were playing with house money at that point, and unfortunately, we wouldn't get back to the Super Bowl for twelve years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, after that, but you know, we had some good times with that team. That was a fun team to watch. Jake DeLome is, is one of my Jake DeLome might be my favorite Panthers quarterback ever, even though he's not the best Panthers quarterback ever. He was probably I can't say he was more fun to watch than Cam, because Cam does some incredible I, things. I was gonna say, I I view Jake DeLome as first being able he was a good quarterback, but I think he benefited from having Steve Smith and Musin Mohammed. Yeah. I, well, I he think, was sort of Tony Romo before Tony Romo came along, right? In terms of came out of nowhere, undrafted. He was actually with the Cowboys, I think, for a little while. And, you know. He he was became, with New Orleans Saints. I think he was with the Cowboys for a little while, too. Oh, let me, let me we, I'm, I'm going to look at that. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's prove who's wrong and right here. Jake Del Hume. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't with the... I know he was with the Saints. Let's I see. know that's where we got him from because... Oh, he went to NFL Europe for two years. Yeah. Eh, you're probably right. 
Ah. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> ha His first start was against the Dallas Cowboys with the Saints. Yeah, I remember that wherever we got, whenever we picked him up in free agency, first of all, we we were going to start Rodney Pete, so that was a very scary thought. But yeah. I remember when we got him, some of the young, you know, people were leaking it out that, you know, he's a great quarterback. He's the type of guy you could build a franchise around and stuff like that if you're going, you know, free agency route for a quarterback. Yeah. I, I said Dallas Cowboys. What I meant was the Frankfurt Galaxy of NFL Europe. That's what I meant to say. You're just stretching just, it now. My words got jumbled. Mm-hmm. Autocorrect. Damn you, Siri. oh that was back when nfl europe used to be the triple a of the nfl and look kurt warner came out of it there was a lot of players that came out of it that had good careers and then there's some that just had two three year careers but hey they got paid and they you know sure that's why i really like the aaf or now XFL, xfl because i think it's a good place to showcase some of these guys that may have not been at a top school or just need more seasoning to play to get better that's what they can do yeah the nfl needs to become more involved in these leagues Mm -hmm. you know if they truly want the feeder system or the g league or what you know the minor league of, of football they need to be more involved i mean i don't think they're involved at all with the xfl and they were involved a little bit with the af but not enough to really matter to save them yeah Oh man. Um, so anyway, that was a fu- kind of a fun look back. Any any final thoughts on that 2003 season? No, I, I just remember being really happy about that season because, like I said, two years ago we were on the bottom feeders and then we got back. And at the time it was Stephen Davis. He's coming back. We have a young running back in Deshaun Foster. Uh, you know, Steve Smith and Musin Muhammad were there. Jake DeLone, we finally got a quarterback that's comparable back there. Yeah. Julius Peppers. Mm-hmm. All young and in their prime, and then it just we just never went back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Remember uh, <laughs> Nick Goings? Oh, yeah, I remember Nick Goings. Goings I met on him once. Team. Yeah. Oh, man. Mike Rucker. Feels like Mike Rucker was here for, for so long. He, he was. I know, I know. <laughs> Chris Will. Magnum, another one that ha- was here forever. Yep. Kevin Donnelly, now a sideline reporter for mm-hmm. uh, Panthers preseason games. Todd Sauerbrunn, the best NFL oh, punter yeah, of all Todd. time. You can't mention that team without talking about Todd Sauerbrunn. Or the offensive line, because they actually all got busted with PEDs <laughs> right after the Super Bowl. Our punter. That's right. I remember it's, watching watching return guys and sometimes being like, I hope he gets to Todd Sauerbrunn because he would light him up. <laughs> now we know did. why. Because he was jacked. He, <laughs> they oh, said man. he looked like a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> he would work out with the linebackers. <laughs> that was Steve Smith's, really his breakout year, right? He only started 11 games, played all 16 games, only started 11 games that year, but ended up with 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. And uh, actually rushed the ball 11 times as well. So he was involved all over the place. But kind of crazy to think that it wasn't until 2005 that he started all 16 games. 
Well, yeah, his rookie season, he was used nothing but a punt returner. It was his second season that they actually gave him a shot out. Yeah, well, his second season, he started 13 games and played in 15. And then the next season, he only started 11, but played in all 16. So it wasn't a health thing uh, as to why he wasn't starting. Kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Maybe it was a disciplinary thing. You know, John Fox, the old disciplinarian. Uh, well, you're right, because you remember he broke Anthony Bright's jaw in practice. How could I forget? Yeah. So yeah. that could have quite be a disciplinary action. Yeah. Steve Smith used to be a little firecracker. I, he's still a firecracker, he's still a firecracker but, but I think but he's, he's matured uh, yeah. <laughs> enough to not throw a fist unless so, it's probably more provoked. Would you be surprised if a headline came across that said Steve Smith punches random person in the face? Random? Not not random, but just somebody maybe that he works with or something. Would I be surprised? Because I heard he plays a lot of like pickup uh, flag football or basketball. Mm-hmm. If I heard that he got into a scuffle with one of them, I would not be shocked at all. Nah, wouldn't either. <laughs> wouldn't either. Or maybe Michael like, Irvin. I was going to say Michael Irvin. What if he punched Michael Irvin in the face? <laughs> I kind of want to punch Michael Irvin in the face sometimes, so... Uh, if right. you ever watch them on their commentary, they, oh, it's funny. they don't like each other that They much. go after each other. It's funny. <laughs> I don't think it's like a Shaq-Charles Barkley thing where like secretly you know they like each other, but they're just busting each other's chops all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think they like each other at all. Cause no, not both at of all. Them, both of them think that they were better than the other and refuse to believe anything else. Yep. Yeah. So, All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we will talk Super Bowl. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. And we are back. All right, Super Bowl 54, San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up in just a couple of days. I'm pretty happy with this matchup. I am too. First of all, the Patriots aren't in it. Right. (laughs) Another one. I actually would have loved the Patriots to be in it, but it's purely for chaos reasons. Yes. And also the Saints aren't in it. So, yeah. That I am very happy about that. And both of these teams seem like they were the best teams this year. I think Baltimore could have been in there, and you could have argued the same thing. But when we looked at this at the very beginning of the playoffs, I picked the 49ers and Chiefs because I thought those were the two best teams, and I feel like we're getting it. We're not getting a team that was just came on hot at the end of the season. We got two, the two best teams throughout the season. I agree that it's a very good matchup. I think Baltimore was a much better team during the season than Kansas City. Um, in fact, I feel like Kansas City is sort of the team that came on very strong towards the end. Of course, they started out strong, but they came on even stronger towards the end of the season. Um, I think Baltimore, unfortunately, ran into a, just a down game. Um, I would have loved to have seen San Francisco versus Baltimore. But I think this is going to be a very good game because it's very similar to what Kansas City versus – or uh, San Francisco versus Baltimore would have been. High-powered offense versus high-powered defense. 
very similar to the 2015 Super Bowl, which we will not talk about, but high-powered offense versus high-powered defense. In that game, the high-powered defense won. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case in this game. I don't either. I think Kansas City, they have so many weapons, and they use their weapons so differently. Yeah. That they use their running back out of the backfield, you know. Let's be honest, Tyree Kill is their home run hitter. Their running back, Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. I mean, neither one of them surpassed 500 yards this season. Yeah, they didn't even get to 500 yards. Uh, so, and San Francisco as well. I mean, their leading rusher had 772 yards. So, uh, of course, they have a three-headed running back tandem there so they still rush for a ton of yards but they, they can both of these teams can really hit you from a lot of different places mm-hmm. a lot of different uh, offensively a lot of different players uh, and then San Francisco has you know of course a very good defense yes uh, which Kansas City does doesn't have a terrible defense you know which is kind of a, a change for them from years past um, but if you're looking at the better defense, San Francisco is obviously the better defense. Oh, the 49ers had probably one of the best defenses in the league this year. Yeah. I mean, statistically, they were, but, you know, everything else, just look around, turnovers and everything else, they were good. Oh, yeah, very good. Um, quarterback matchup here is heavily skewed towards Kansas City, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has started two seasons this year. Now, one year, he's gotten on to the Super Bowl. The other year, he got an, got an MVP. So, what's up for this kid in the future? If he wins a Super Bowl... Man. I mean, is he... I mean, he's on pace to be the best quarterback of all time. Well, yeah, but obviously... Statist- statistically. Obviously, correct. he needs the longevity. But he's, he's really kind of... He's got the perfect coach for him. Mm-hmm. Right, Andy Reid is an, a, a great quarterback, friendly coach, and he's got the talent, and he's got the talent around him. Mm-hmm. Something Cam really never had. Yeah, was the talent around him, or the or the quarterback coach, <laughs> <laughs> or, or the offensive coach right. that could really build a team around him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it's just scary what he could do. He again, this is his third season. You don't know where he can be in four or five when he hits his peak. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned uh, Tyree Kill, but probably the biggest pass-catching threat on this team is Travis Kelsey. Yes. Who, as of right now, is probably the best, you could argue, the best tight end in the league. You could also cool. look on the other side, on the other uh, team, at George Kittle. Yep. Who I was also mention, could be. Yeah. I was going to mention that. I either want, These are typically considered, once Gronkowski retired, the best in the league right now. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I like Kittle a little bit more. I think he blocks a little bit better. But you can't go wrong with either. Yeah, both over 1,000 yards receiving this year. Um, Both with five touchdowns this year. Kittle's been playing hurt. Uh, He actually just came out and said he's been playing with a torn labrum for the last two seasons. Yeah, how do you how do you not get that fixed in the offseason, George? Yeah, why, why would you go into a second season with the torn labrum? That makes no sense to me. I'm sure Maybe some just, San Francisco executive needles. is like sitting there going, what? <laughs> uh, George Kittle also, uh, they've run him. I mean, they've, run, they've let him run the ball some. He's run the ball five times this year. 
for 22 yards. So he's he's actually he's a very uh, versatile guy. Uh, in terms of receiving for the 49ers, you know, outside of Kittle, Debo Samuel has really come on strong, mm-hmm. especially towards the latter half of the season, and he is a he is a, a very threatening guy. And then they made a trade in the season for Emmanuel Sanders, who has come up clutch for them several times this season. Um, one time against the Panthers. So I believe his first game was against the Panthers uh, with the 49ers. You know, you you just mentioned that, and I was trying to think of the other receivers on the team be- besides Debo and Emmanuel, and I had to go look and find them. So yeah, that trade... That- Kendrick Bourne is... Uh, I-, I know a little bit more about him because I'm in a playoff fantasy league that I've drafted almost all of the 49ers. Um, but yeah, you're right. In terms of household names... Even yeah. Debo Samuel's not a household name. He's just become relevant over the last half of the season. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. When Emmanuel Sanders got there and Debo finally started stepping up, I mean, that was their two starters. But before that, it was just George Kittle. Yeah. And they're running backs out of the backfield. Right, and they, they, you know, they do throw the ball to their running backs quite a bit. Uh, the, I believe the three of them have combined for close to 60 catches. So, uh and that's another thing is they're, they're running backs. They're, it's a three-headed monster there. Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, and Raheem Mostert. Uh, each of them had 120 or more carries, but not more than 137 carries. So they're all very similar in their amount of carries. Uh, Mostert seemed to be the one that produced the most. He came on towards the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, also, along with Debo Samuel. And he actually led the team in rushing with 772 yards, eight touchdowns. So he was the guy getting into the end zone. So, yeah, I mean, Mostert is, uh, he's the one to look out for. Average 5.6 yards per carry this season. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> That's really impressive. Hey, and the San Francisco 49ers will go with whatever's hot. If they can run the ball, they will continue to run the ball. Yeah. Um, Tevin Coleman dislocated his shoulder in the previous game but says he's gonna play so it could be like a remember uh 2015 thomas davis mm-hmm. broke his arm and played that super bowl with just an arm that looked like a football oh yeah i mean just the most disgusting thing you'll ever see well maybe not the most disgusting thing but pretty disgusting thing to see um uh the Chiefs are favored by one and a half points in this game. So this is, you know, Vegas thinks this is going to be a really close game. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I do too. I don't see this. I hope this isn't a blowout, and I don't see it being a blowout. I think it could be a blowout in favor of Kansas City if they just get on a roll. I don't think San Francisco has the firepower to keep up with them offensively. But I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that San Francisco actually will keep them and check defensively. Yeah, Sam, uh, the Chiefs end up starting slow most games. It's kind of yeah. weird. Their first quarter, they're they're really sluggish and everything, and then yeah. it then it finally clicks in the second and third quarter how to, you know, turn it on. Well, the last two uh, playoff games, they were down multiple mm-hmm. double digit points in the first half of the game and came back to win handily. So. Um, yeah, over-under in this game is 54.5 points. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's going to be a low-scoring game. You know, I'd go under there. See, I'm going 
over, and I think oh, we're... Oh, are you? Yes, I am. Oh, really? Yes, it is. Would you like to put a little bit of uh, bubbly on that? Ooh, a little bit of the bubbly. Beer bit of the week. So I am taking over the 54 and a half points. And, and I'll are... go under, yeah. And we both are picking Kansas City to win. Yes. And that's, that's why that's not our beer bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I picked them to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the yeah. playoffs, so I have to keep riding this. <laughs> yeah, I could have been a man and gone with the 49ers and just taken one for the team, but I truly think the Chiefs are going to win this game. And, uh, and I'll be happy. I want Andy Reid to win a Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs could win by 20 points and still be on the under of 54 and a half, just because mm-hmm. I don't think that the Niners are going to score a lot of points. Okay. I just don't think that's the case. I hope it is the case. I hope this is a very exciting game. That's always what we want from the Super Bowl, right? Yes, as long as the Panthers aren't in there and the Panthers right. can dominate if they are. Exactly, yeah. Outside of any Panthers situation, we want the Super Bowl to be very exciting and come down to the last score and... Honestly, I don't really care who wins this game. Um, nah, but, me neither. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if I rule, if I was rooting for, for, I, I guess I'm really rooting for the 49ers. I think ah. actually. See, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. Like I said, I want Andy Reid to get that Super Bowl ring. I always liked him. He always seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. And I still have bad feelings towards Kyle Shanahan since he was with the Atlanta Falcons for a while. Yeah. I am glad he's with San Fran now, though. I'm kind of, yeah, I think maybe I'm rooting for him just because he left the Falcons in a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you can look- actually, you know, you can actually bet on if you think that the 49ers will blow a 28-3 to lead in this game. Oh. <laughs> you can bet on that. It's uh, it's plus 1,000. But you can bet on it. So you'd have, if you bet $100 on it, you win $1,000 off that. All right. So what <laughs> is your score prediction for this game? Like I said, I think... Um, I think it'll be a close game, relatively. But I think Kansas City wins this game 28-17. to 17. I think it probably becomes a little out of reach at the end. I am going Kansas City 32, San Francisco 28. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be nice. a fun game. Yep. I think it'll be back and forth, but I think the Chiefs will score, and then San Francisco will score a touchdown, but just can't hold the Chiefs and the Chiefs will run out the clock. All right. Well, we'll be back next week to talk about the game, what happened. Hopefully, we'll be back next week. My wife is uh, very pregnant right now. And That's right. Everybody's predicting it a Super Bowl baby, which I do not want to wa- have. Yes, I predicted that from day one. Remember that. <laughs> that baby comes on the Super Bowl. It's my fault. But we have a show in store either next week or the week after. Uh, one of our listeners gave us a great idea for a show, and that's what we're going to go ahead and do next week or the week after. And then we'll kind of lean into the off season. Yeah, off-season schedule will probably be a little hit or miss depending on you know news that comes out and uh, what's going on because my wife also pregnant. Yeah. And uh, you know things are going to be happening. So uh, other than that... Uh, We'll plan to be back next week. Yep. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at mailbag at meowmixpodcast.com. Yeah, we got a new email address. 
<laughs> yeah. Old so, domain, baby. <laughs> and please like and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And always... Keep pounding. Wow, <laughs> wow,